Can we turn the monitor speaker down just a little bit? Uh, so as most of you probably know, my grandmother, my, my father's mother, was taken a lot worse while we were up in Canada. And so it's, it's getting very close to the time that she's going to pass from us. And so my father wanted to be there with her at this time, obviously. And so last night after we got back from Canada, he went straight to Pennsylvania. And I'm sorry, those of you who, that were here in Sunday school, I'm sorry about what happened with the heat situation. I noticed that it was set to the wrong time. And I'm like, it's daylight savings time, so it'll be an hour, it won't be running on time. So, you know, so, and so I went to change it. And somehow, either that or some other reason in fixing it, shut it off. And so when we got here in the morning, there was no heat that was running. And so it, you know, it seems to be warm enough now, but... I'm, I'm not sure still exactly what happened, but thankfully we got it fixed. So, anyways, it's definitely an honor and a privilege to be here and to get to preach the word of the Lord to you, and it's always an honor to be able to do that. So, please turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts in chapter 5 and verse 12. Acts chapter 5 and verse 12. So... Once everyone finds their place, we'll begin reading, then we'll pray and get into the message. Acts chapter 5 and verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities, round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. And we're going to particularly focus in the message this morning on these next few verses. Then the high priest rose up. And all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, I come before you this morning, and I just pray that you would be glorified and honored in this message. Father, I pray, Lord, I would speak your thoughts after you, Father, Lord. I pray that I would be convicted in my own heart, that I would live these truths. I pray we would all live these truths, that you would be glorified. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So, how many of you like to go hiking? Does anybody like to go hiking? It's not something we get to do much of here in New York City. But when I was in Bible college, it wasn't something I got to do much of in Oklahoma. Oklahoma is very flat. There's only a couple places, which I did go to, where you can hike in the whole state. But every spring break, actually about this time of year, within a week or so of right now, I would go on spring break and I would go to New Mexico. And in New Mexico, where I was, they had lots and lots of mountains. It was very rocky. It was very rugged. There were very few people there. In fact, it was so rugged that they had 
the, the children, when they waited for the bus, would lock themselves inside these cages so that the wild animals wouldn't hurt them. So it was interesting observing that because they were so spread out that there were more animals running around than there were people. But being there in that wilderness where there was nobody, there was lots and lots of opportunities to hike. And so we would have this, this um, camp and we would go and all morning we would work for the camp. And then in the afternoon we would go out in the mountains and we would pray or we would go hiking. And whether we went to pray or just to go on a long hike, we'd be out in the mountains, I would at least, almost every day. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about doing that was there was always some other cliff face to climb. And it, was, it was like these loose rocks and there were these cliff faces and you could like climb them and stuff. And it was really, really fun to like try to see how fast you could go up or look at like a rock face. And everyone would say, no, you can't climb that. And then try to climb it and, and, and just, you know, having a great time doing that. But the one thing that, that always was good about that was, you know, if I started to climb something and I realized, oh my goodness, why did I think that I could do this? This isn't safe. I could always come back down. Or if I got hurt, which I don't think, I, I don't remember getting hurt severely, but if I had like bruised my ankle or like smashed my shin or something, you know, I could have come back. I, I wasn't obligated to go out on these hikes. There wasn't anybody that was forcing me to do that. If the way that I had initially chosen was too difficult, I could turn around and try a different way up. I would just change course if it didn't work the way I thought it should. That ability to change course is the difference between hiking in the wilderness and fighting through the wilderness. It is the difference between being in charge of one's own activity and being under the orders of a commander. Soldiers under order don't have the liberty of changing their path when they run into opposition from the enemy or when the path gets too dangerous for their liking. It is the responsibility of their commanding officer to take account of the dangers. It is the responsibility of the soldiers to obey those orders. It may seem at this point like what I've been talking about has like nothing to do with the passage that I just read. But I think you'll see by the time we get down to the end, uh, by, by God's grace I'll be able to tie it back together. And you'll see the connection between the illustration that I've used and the passage that we read. So just to go over what happened in that passage, we have before this, immediately before this in chapter 5, we have Ananias and Sapphira, and they, I believe I actually preached on that a few weeks ago when I had the opportunity to preach here, and Ananias and Sapphira, they were trying to do their own agenda, they were trying to use the gifts that God had given them to fulfill their own purposes, and God put a stop to that. And Ananias and Sapphira, they met the demise that they justly deserved and after that that was cleansed out of the church, things began to go very well. There were signs and there were wonders that were taking place. People were getting saved. Everyone was in unity. And in and, and, um, uh, verse, verse 13, it, it seems at first, if you just read it with critical eye and trying to attack the scripture, some people have said, oh, it contradicts verse 14. But uh, that doesn't make any sense to say that. And, and, and because... Someone who could write a masterpiece like the book of Acts wouldn't make such a dumb mistake. That's not a very credible objection. What it's saying is that, and it's, it's difficult to you know, get, know exactly what it's saying, but the clearest I could come up with is that the, the unbelievers that before, they were meeting in the temple. They were meeting in Solomon's, Solomon's porch, and they were left in possession of Solomon's porch. So those that weren't wanting to hear the message, they were afraid to come and cause trouble. And the early church was left in possession of this huge building rent-free. 
Things were going great. I mean, in the city of Jerusalem, they had a huge place to meet, rent-free, that was the biggest meeting place in the whole city. I mean, it's a pretty amazing work of God that he was doing. And believers were being added to the church. Multitudes of believers were being added to the church. And, and the power of God was so present. People were being healed. And, and God was giving to the Jews the signs that he had promised. And, and people were coming even from outside of Jerusalem to be healed. And things were going very, very well. In verse 17, this provokes some opposition. They were filled with indignation. Peter was preaching the resurrection. And as my, uh, my father went over, yes, it was, it was um, when he was going the harmony of the Gospels, talking about the beliefs of the Sadducees, that they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in spirits. They didn't believe in these things. And they were very upset that Peter was preaching about the resurrection. And they rose up, and they were filled with indignation, and they laid their hands on the apostles, and they put them in the common prison. Now, they had arrested Peter and John before. Now, they're arresting all the apostles. They had put them in hold before. Now, they put them into the common prison. Probably, that would have been a different place. The opposition to the spread of the gospel is intensifying. The power of the Holy Ghost had caused the church to grow even more. And as the church grew even more, the opposition grew even greater. That's what takes place. Verse 19, the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, what you need to do, guys, is, is this whole meeting in the temple thing, you know, the Sadducees control the temple, you need to go reach them from the hills outside of Jerusalem. It's too dangerous to preach in the city of Jerusalem anymore. So you know what? You know, I, I know that I told you to start in Jerusalem, but God, God gave me a new word for you all. You need to go where it's safer. And, and then he said, you know what else you need to do? It's, it's this, this whole thing about preaching the resurrection. You know, you can preach about Jesus without preaching the resurrection. And I know that those were the words you were initially given, but you really need to change it and just kind of make it a little bit more culturally acceptable so that the Sadducees don't get mad. You know, just talk about what a nice guy Jesus was and how you should try to be like him. And the Sadducees won't be filled with indignation anymore. And the church will be able to grow and everything will be great. And that was the message of God to the apostles. No, it wasn't. That was not the message of God to the apostles. He didn't say... Oh my, he, he didn't say, I, I, I didn't know that so much opposition was going to come. I didn't know the Sadducees would be so upset, so I'm going to change your, your commands. That's not what the angel of the Lord told the apostles. Now, what the angel of the Lord told the apostles is, go and stand in the temple. That's where they were before. And say to the people, those were the ones they were addressing before, all the words of this life. They were to go to the same place and speak to the same people and give them the same message. And verse 21 lets us know the apostles obeyed the Lord and they kept on God's agenda and they did what God told them to do. Just because there was opposition did not mean that God's orders had changed for the apostles. The apostles faced much opposition as they sought to carry out God's agenda. This is what Jesus had told them to, to expect in this world, ye shall have persecution. This is what he has told us to expect. What he has not told us to expect is updated orders every time the opposition gets a little hot. Soldiers don't get new orders every time the enemy fires a shot. 
If they have a wise commander, he will already have taken the opposition into account. In fact, that's probably why they are there in the first place. Now, we know that human commanders are not infallible. And if you study military history, you know that there are many times that commanders have been tricked by the enemy and they sent soldiers and they lost their lives because of the foolish decisions of their leaders. God isn't like that. God knows everything. He knows all that is and all that is to come. He will never be surprised by opposition. God's agenda is not altered by the opposition of his enemies For God's agenda has already taken the opposition of his enemies into account. Since he knows all circumstances, his orders to us have already taken all circumstances into account. Therefore, since God's agenda is not determined by circumstances, our obedience must not be altered by opposition. Since God's agenda is not determined by circumstances, our obedience must not be altered by opposition. If we were on our own agenda, pursuing our own purposes, then it would make sense to stop serving God when it becomes uncomfortable. If we were just saying, you know, I'm just out hiking in the wilderness, doing my own little thing, and, and you get really hungry. I mean, sometimes when you're hiking, you get really hungry. And if you forgot to bring a snack, you just say, you know what, I didn't realize how hungry I was going to get. I didn't realize how steep the road was going to be. I'm just going to go back to base camp, and I'm going to get me a meal, and I'm going to take a nap. That's what I'm going to do. Well, if you're hiking in the wilderness, that's a good thing to do. You get too tired, you go home. You're in the middle of a war. It's called desertion. If we're on his agenda, we will keep pursuing it, even when our circumstances change. If I'm climbing a hill for pleasure, then I'll go home if I bruise my ankle. It only makes sense to. But if I'm climbing under orders, if I'm in the middle of a war then I've got to keep going no matter what. And if I get knocked down, I need to get back up and get back in line and fight and do what I was commanded to do until I'm dead. It is when the road gets rough that your reasons for being on it become evident. What do you do when you face opposition as you attempt to carry out God's agenda? You don't have very many choices. You can allow the opposition to determine your level of obedience by trying to modify your orders to fit your circumstances as you see them. There's a lot of different ways you could do this. You could speak, you could say, you know what, here's what the problem is. The problem is, you know, if I just left out some of what the Bible says, I would have so much freedom to say everything else that God has to say. And Christianity, I make Christianity acceptable through the modern world. There are parts of the message of the Bible that are not going to be acceptable to the modern world. There is going to come a day when if you speak a word against homosexuality and say that it is as it is an abomination to God, that you will be put in jail for that. That day has already come in many countries, even in Canada, there are preachers who have been put in prison for criticizing homosexuality and not just... Now, this is... The Bible doesn't say what you need to do is you need to find anyone who practices that and tell them that God hates them. That is not the message of the Word of God. That is not what God has told us to do. The cross is offensive enough without us being offensive as well. 
But at the same time, there's going to be a temptation as you face opposition to the truth of God's word. There's going to be a temptation to leave out those bits that would offend. And you're going to have people as you go to work, as you go to school, that are going to come to me and come to me and to you. And they're going to say, do you really mean to say that you don't approve of all possible orientations? Do you really mean to say that you think it's wrong? Are you kidding me? There's going to be people that are going to have that kind of attitude and they're going to say, I thought you were intelligent. I didn't realize you were such a wicked, immoral person as to criticize someone and, and, and what they can't even change about themselves. There is a, they're, they're talking about hate speech, but the hate speech, uh, it's, it'd be a good question where it's coming from. And that's something we're going to face a temptation and you're going to see that even some people who say and call themselves high-profile Christian leaders are going to cave in to that pressure. It's already happening. And if there's going to come a day very, very soon when that's going to determine whether your Christianity is viewed as acceptable or not. And you'll be surprised at who's on what side. What side will you be on? There's another thing that today we live in a society that is completely sold out to the idea of pluralism. That's not to the idea that we should tolerate or we should... That's not the same thing as freedom of religion. Freedom of religion is, is the idea that everyone is free to practice and, and worship God or not worship God as they see fit. As Baptists, we believe and always have believed in freedom of religion. What we cannot endorse is religious pluralism, which says you can believe whatever you want... As long as you believe that all other beliefs are equal to your belief. So you can have whatever beliefs you want as long as you agree with us that all beliefs are meaningless. That is what is being endorsed in our schools, in the workplace. And there are already companies where if you don't agree with that, you will lose your job. In the educational system. And, and people are going to be tempted more and more. And we see people even already. Even without the act of persecution. That one time would have said there's only one way to heaven. Jesus Christ is the only way. And now that's not so acceptable to hear. And it has cost to associated with proclaiming something like that. And so the, the opposition is determining the level of their obedience. And they're just leaving out bits of the words of this life. And they're saying you know what. I'm going to go stand in the temple and I'll speak to the people some of the words of this life. That's one way to modify your obedience to, to, to match the circumstances of the opposition that you're facing. Other people say, you know what, I'll be a Christian at church, but then when I get to work, no one is going, to, I'm going to be an undercover Christian. No one's going to know that I'm a Christian unless I want them to. There are people that try to live that way. There might be someone here today that you would look like the best Christian that ever was when you're at church, but when you're at work, there is nobody that could tell the difference. So you say, you know what, in the temple, you know, in, in, in the place where it's safe to do so, then I'll, I'll be a Christian, but not out in public, not in the temple. I won't do that. And there are people who, who try to modify their obedience to match the opposition they face in that way. You could decide which parts of God's agenda are essential. You could compromise on others. This, this deals more with the fact that we need to understand we don't just face opposition to obeying God from outside. We face opposition to obeying God from inside. Because we have wicked hearts that are in alliance with the enemy. And if we let them, we will face even greater opposition from the wicked desires of our own heart than we do from the opposition of the enemy. From outside opposition, persecution, we don't really... That's coming. 
Believe me, it's coming, even in the United States of America, but it really isn't that bad yet. But what is bad, and what always has been bad, and what always will be bad, even if we had a born-again Baptist independent president and Congress and Senate and even the court system, you'd still face opposition from your own wicked heart to following God's commandments. And we can say, you know what? What's really important is that I don't commit adultery. And as long as I don't commit adultery, then it's not so bad that I go on the internet and I, I find a little bit of enjoyment that way and I, I satisfy my desires that way. And, and you know what? As long as I don't really go all the way, then flirting and, and touching and all of that is okay. And, and, and you know, I don't want to dress like weird, like really modest, but as long as I don't be very extreme, I can just kind of compromise and I'll determine my level of disobedience based on the opposition that I face to being completely obedient from my own heart or from what others would think of me. Or it could be in the area of honesty and you could say, you know what, as long, I'm never going to tell a lie to hurt somebody else. I'm not going to lie about somebody else. But, you know, if my, if my coworker asked me to punch in and, and say, you know, that they were there on time when they were three hours late. You know, that's not really hurting anybody. So that's not really being dishonest. And I, I'll only be, you know, honest to this level. But this, this part of, this isn't really applied in my life. You see what I'm saying? We can, we can compromise and we can look at the standards that God has of absolute purity, of absolute honesty. And we can say, you know what? That's a little too tough. That, that agenda is just a little too difficult for me to really follow. But I don't want to forget about God's agenda. I'm just going to modify it a little bit. Just a little bit. So that it will be a little bit easier for me to handle. There are a lot of people that do that. I know in my own life that you strive against that and you think, Oh, uh, I've got stuff right. And then you find you've compromised in the area of pride. And you're allowing just a little bit of pride into your life. And... It's a process. This, this part especially is a process of continually throughout your life identifying those areas in which you've modified God's agenda to match your preferences. It happens over and over again. You cannot let up on this one because this is going to occur over and over and over again. Another way you could do this is you could exclude some areas of your life by control from God's agenda. You could say, when it comes to the doctrine I believe, it's all from the word of God. Bless God, I believe every fundamental there ever was and even some that ever weren't. And, and even if any more come up with, I'll believe them too. There are people that have that attitude. But when you ask them, you know, what movies are you watching? What video games are you playing? How do you spend your time? How do you treat your wife? How do you treat your husband? They say, oh, I believe everything the Bible says. I'm not compromising God's agenda. And they'll, they'll take certain areas and they'll exclude them from coverage by the word of God. They'll say, you know what? I, I, I'll allow God's word to apply to this, to this, to this. But allow God's word to tell me how to, how to seek entertainment and relaxation? Oh, you got to be kidding me. That is extreme. That's ridiculous. There are people that do that. There are people in this room that do that. There have been times that I have done that. It's a common human temptation. But it's one we have to watch against. There are so... And, and we could say, people could even say in the area of finances, that God is not going to tell me how to manage my money. You know, God is with spiritual stuff. He doesn't have anything to do with this down here. 
You know, God cares about my heart, not about my anger towards my family or not about my manipulation of my husband or not about this or not about that. And we can say, you know what, this area of life, God doesn't have anything to say to that. God's orders are comprehensive. He has something to say to every area of life. There is no area we can safely exclude. There really are countless ways in which you can allow the opposition you face, whether from outside, in the outside world, or from inside your heart, to determine your level of obedience, or rather to determine your level of disobedience. Yet there is one thing that all of them have in common. They all assume either that God is fallible, so his agenda must be subject to being changed by circumstances. You must assume that God is ignorant. Or that we are not really under orders, so we are free to make our own decisions. If you're going to modify God's agenda, if you're going to say, I follow Christ, I'm a Christian, then you have to say, and, and yet you say, I'm at liberty to modify God's plans for my life in some way, in any of these ways or in some other way that I never would have thought to mention, then you've got to believe two things. You've got to believe either God doesn't really know what he's talking about. He didn't take my circumstances into account. God was having an off day when he, when he thought of my life because he didn't really like plan it out right. He didn't know he just was kind of, you know, you know, God's kind of old and he just got a brain freeze and hadn't had his morning coffee yet or something. That's blasphemous. But if you're going to modify God's agenda, you've got to believe that. You've either got to believe that or you've got to believe that you don't have to obey God. Both of those things are wrong. They're not true. It's blasphemous to believe either one of those things. And when I say blasphemous, that's exactly what I mean. He is not surprised by the opposition you're facing. He gave you his agenda precisely because he was aware of the opposition. It is not taken him by surprise, and we are under orders. But you may be here sitting, this whole thing is just completely ridiculous, and you may be here because someone drags you into being here, and you may say, you know what, I don't care what God has to say in the Bible. I don't even believe the Bible is God's word. I just want to pursue my own agenda, and you know, I know if I was a Christian, then I would follow God, but... You know, I'm not a Christian. I'm my own person. I'm going to do it my own way. And thank you very much, but I don't really need to follow God's agenda. I can do it my own way. In a crowd this size, I'm quite certain that there are some here who, while you may even have professed to be a Christian for some reason to satisfy a family member or just because you thought it was a thing to do at the time, you've never truly submitted to God. You've never truly enlisted in the Lord's army. You may think that you can choose to follow your own path and that you're in charge of your own life. Please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. I am not being flippant and I am not saying this in a profane way. But if you think that you or anyone else is free to follow their own path without being under orders from anyone, you've believed a damned lie. It's a lie that has taken damned countless souls to hell forever. Listen to what the word of God has to say. Know ye not, in the book of Romans, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. There aren't, two, there aren't more than two choices. No one is really their own master. Humanity owes obedience to God. Every single one of us owes obedience to God. He is our creator and we are supposed to be his servants. But in the Garden of Eden, Adam decided that what he needed to do was switch sides. He joined the rebellion against the creator. He said, God, you're keeping something from me that belongs to me. We can be gods. 
We can take over. And they rebelled against the creator and sustainer of the universe. The theater of conflict covers the whole universe. There is no neutral ground. We are either enslaved to sin and under the orders of the devil, or we have repented from sin and are under the orders of God. We are born, when we are born, because of our sin nature and our sinful parents, we are born to rebels. Every single one of you, I know one thing about you that's true. You were born to parents that were rebels against God. And when you were born, you were born into the rebel army. The only way to get out is to give your allegiance to God. You're on one side or the other. You, it, it's a myth. It's a lie. It's a fantasy that you can run your own life. You may think you're running your own life, but what you're doing is you're giving dominion to sin and it's going to trip you up and it's going to trap you. And if you try to do things your own way, you're going to end up just serving the devil and his rebellion against God. And God will deal with you one day. God will not tolerate, God cannot tolerate rebellion against him as he sustains the universe and still be a good God. Because God loves the whole universe, God must punish rebellion. There's no neutrality that is possible in this conflict. We do not have the option of being our own masters. We have a master one way or the other. If you're an unbeliever here today, or even if you're a professing believer and you say, I'm a Christian, but you've never repented of your rebellion, never turned in faith to Christ, today could be the day of your salvation. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Don't fool yourself into thinking that neutrality is possible. It's not. If you're a believer here this morning, you need to stop allowing the opposition to determine our, your level of obedience or disobedience. To do so is to believe lies about both God and ourselves. When you're in the military, anything less than complete obedience, even to fallible and possibly mistaken commanders is grounds for a court-martial. That's just the way the military is. It's the way it must be to be effective. God is not fallible. His orders have already taken the opposition into account. He's not going to be surprised by new circumstances. We have no cause to modify them. The only alternative to unbelief and disobedience is to allow your level of obedience to be determined by God's agenda. To do this is to trust that God has already taken the opposition into account. And believe me, God has. God knows what you're facing at work. God knows that it's not popular to say some of these truths that are in the word of God. God, God knew about the fact that America would be a pluralistic society in the 21st century. Do you think that took God by surprise? As a matter of fact, is the gospel went out of the narrow confines of Jerusalem into the, to the Greco-Roman world. As Paul traveled, it was a society that was very similar to our current society. It was a society that was marked by rampant homosexuality and complete pluralism. Those were the two trademarks of the world into which the word of God came. We are closer than ever before in the past 2,000 years to the very society to which the New Testament was addressed. God's not surprised. There's nothing shocking to him about the fact that his ethics are not accepted as the norm by our society any longer. And his agenda has not changed. 
His plans have not been altered. So why do we think that we're free to say, okay, I know that in the New Testament people were supposed to do exactly what God said. But today, you know, we need to update the word of God and we don't have to obey him as much. You know, I know that very few people here would say, you know what, I need to change God's plans because I know better than him. I don't think there's a lot of, I'm sure there's some, but I don't think there's a lot of people here that would say that at least out loud. But everyone here has lived that way at some point. I've lived that way. You've lived that way. We've all lived as though we had the freedom to modify our orders, and we don't. We absolutely don't. We must recognize that God has taken our opposition into account. We must recognize that we are under orders. We are. This does not mean that obeying God will always be easy. It won't be. But that disobeying God will always be inexcusable. God has not promised us that we're going to have an easy life obeying him. That you will, you will search through the New Testament and the Old Testament and every portion of the Bible backwards and forwards and you will never find where God has promised the followers of Christ are going to have an easy life. If you're going to have an easy life, you know, being a soldier isn't really the best way to do it. You know, seriously. You go out and you fight through the wilderness and you sometimes will face horrible conditions. That's, that's true. But you know what? If you are in the military, you don't have the right to change. You can't say, you know, I don't like this battle zone, so, you know, I want to move somewhere else. Your commanding officers have to make that decision. And we know that I am, you know, we know that humans are fallible. But God is not. God's plans do not change. God's agenda has not changed. It never will change. He's already taken your individual circumstances into account when he gave you his word. He took your difficult father that's not saved into account when he told you to believe his word. He took your difficult husband or your difficult wife or your mother or your father or your brother or your sister or your co-worker or your boss or your school teacher or your classmate. God knew those people would be in your life. God is omniscient. He took your circumstances into account when he gave all of us his orders. And he doesn't make exceptions. Humans must make exceptions because we don't know everything. The reason we have to make exceptions is because we can't say something that takes all circumstances into account. Can we? In order to do that, we'd have to be omniscient. We'd have to know everything. But you know what? God does know everything. And God has taken your circumstances into account when he gave us his word. And he wants us to go to where he's put us and say to those to whom he's called us everything that he's given us. You're going to have to make a decision whether you're just someone in camels hiking in the wilderness. I always wear camels when I hike in the wilderness. In fact, if I'm not in dress clothes, I'm usually in camouflage. It's just what I like to wear. It's comfortable. And so if you're out in the wilderness, you know, you could look like a soldier, even if you're just me, you know, just, I'm not a soldier, I just like to hike. If that, is your, if that is who you are, you need to make a decision if you're just hiking in the wilderness or if you're a soldier under orders. I can make that decision very easy for you. 
you are under orders. Because every single human being is either serving God or serving the devil. If you're under Satan's orders, today is the day to repent of your rebellion and switch sides because you're on the losing side. If you're under God's orders, you're obligated to follow them. You're not allowed to modify them to escape opposition. You're not allowed to modify them to make them easier to carry out. God has already taken our circumstances into account. To try to modify his commands to fit our circumstances is to forget what side we are fighting on. It's to be a traitor and a rebel against the commander who gave his very life that we might have the liberty to follow him. It is something we have no right to do. Since God's agenda is not determined by circumstances, our obedience must not be altered by opposition. We do not have the right to change God's commandments. If you're here today and you are not saved, if you have never committed your life to Jesus Christ, I challenge you today to realize that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day you should call upon the name of the Lord. You do not know how long you have to live. And you don't want to die a rebel against the God of the universe. Because God loves the universe, he must punish rebels. But God has opened a door of salvation He gave his life. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that all who wish to follow him can do so. And then he gives his spirit so that all those who have chosen to follow him can carry out his agenda. Our resources to obey God will always be sufficient. We have no cause to disobey. God's agenda has already taken our circumstances into account. We cannot alter our obedience on account of those same circumstances. Father, Lord, I come before you this morning and I, I thank you, Father, for how good you are and how wonderful you are, Father. I thank you, Father, Lord, that you are all wise and your word is so true and so good. And your word is perfect and your commandments are perfect. Father, Lord, as I preach a message like this. I'm challenged in my own heart, Father, Lord, is There have been times when I have changed your orders, and I know there have been. But I pray, Father, Lord, that you would help those times to be fewer and fewer. Help me, Father, Lord, to be more faithful to your commandments, to serve you and to worship you. Father, Lord, I pray if there is anyone that is here this morning that doesn't know you, Father. Oh, Lord, help them to see the level that they have rebelled against you. Help them to see that they're on the wrong side. Bring them to repentance. Send your Holy Spirit to us this morning, Father, Lord, that lost souls may repent and come to thee. I pray for God's children that are here today, Father, Lord, that we would rededicate our lives to following you with passionate love and obedience and not changing your agenda, not changing your orders to match our circumstances, but instead obeying you no matter what. I pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.